You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today's guest speaker, we have Mayur Magi, CEO and co-founder at Propel that was acquired by Jobox. And this episode, we'll talk about this acquisition, how it happened, how Propel got to this acquisition, and what Mayur sees in the startup world right now in terms of fundraising during the pandemic. So Mayur, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Propel. Sure. Thanks, Constantine. Um, so... A little bit about myself, I'm Mayur Modki. Um, I have been in the Bay Area for the last 10 years. I've been part of uh, six different startups. Five of them have got acquired and one of them actually went public. Um, the last few years, I've been spending more time with small businesses and independent uh, service professionals and trying to understand how they well they're doing in their business and how, how we can help in some way in advising and getting them to grow their business and acquiring more customers. And uh, spend a lot of time on peer schools like Paul Mitchell, uh, teaching these upcoming uh, students of cosmetology, aesthetics, and makeup on how to get themselves out there, give, show their skills, promote themselves, and in some way acquire those customers. And one of the things we realized when we talked to most of these uh, people was they had a tough time uh, balancing their time between managing their business and actually providing good service. So, and that's how we thought about Propel was, why, why don't we build something, a product which actually handles the business side of it and so that they can concentrate on more providing more quality service itself. And so we kind of envisioned this as being an office manager, which handles most of your appointments and scheduling and uh, the communication between customers. And in some way provides you a timeline of what your customers have done in the past and how uh, when they will be available for their next service and how you should communicate to them. And then in some way also help in uh, providing them estimates and invoicing and, get, uh, and uh, take payments from them. Mm-hmm. Got it. So my first question is, you know, it's fundraising review. So my first question will be about fundraising for Propol. I know you haven't raised money for it. Why is that? Why did you, yeah. why did you decide to not raise? Yes. Yeah, so I'd be lying if I wasn't I wasn't thinking about uh, fundraising. I, I definitely was. So and but the question was, what time should you raise money, right? And and this is this is very tough for startups to decide when they want to raise. A lot of people just raise free and then get even before they write this builds anything, they go and raise money. For us, it felt like we we kind of come from the engineering background and we kind of build things in which sometimes can be a downfall, but we wanted to build this initial MVP and get some sort of traction. And then once we have this this free service, think about some a premium service for them in terms of getting new customers and all that stuff. And for that, what would you we would do is we would leverage the appointment information we have gathered from the app itself. So we were we had built the MVP, we had decent amount of traction and we were seeing this appointment information. In fact we were I was going and sitting in these beauty salons and and being the uh, there's the person at the reception itself and seeing what what does the schedule look like? How much time does he have? If they say there's a five hour service, does it mean five hours or does it mean eight hours? And so keeping track of all those things and seeing where are these gaps and how can we can eventually go and fill that. And that's where we were when actually Jobbox came knocking. 
Oh, so Joe Bulk came in like really early on, right? Yeah, so we were there for almost a year and a half, and we had built the MVP, and we had people uh, using it. Uh, and I, I can go into how we actually got introduced to, to Jobbox itself. Um, yeah, let's so, let's talk about that. So, how did the acquisition happen? Did Jobbox just came in, and did they just you know, shoot you a message like, "Hey, you're building something nice, let's talk," and then it got to the acquisition part, or did you actually reach out to them yourself? Yeah, so uh, the, it was a coincidence that Jim, who had worked before in an earlier startup, had uh, started working at Jobbox uh, a couple of months back, and we were talking back and forth at that time. And um, and he kind of told me about Jobbox, and I was like, this sounds very familiar. This their version and their the product they're trying to build. The the biggest difference was the demographic users they were going to was a, a slightly different. They were more interested in the the service professionals, which actually come to your house for service and. So the, the plumbers, the locksmiths, and the garage door salesmen, the copper cleaners were the ones which they were concentrating on and their workflow. And we were more interested in, in, in users and, or businesses which are brick and mortar and people come to them and get service done. So um, Jim told me about this and I was, I was more curious on how Jobbox had become what it was because it was at a hyper growth stage and they had built a big community of users and then we were just, using that community to get and acquire more and more users. So uh, I had a few questions for Jim and Jim was like, why don't you come to the happy hour and we can, you can talk directly to the people there, to the operations folks and even to the co-founders and hear more on how they would, um, they, they do things and how they actually build this specific thing. So uh, went to their happy hour, uh, got introduced to Shai, who is the CEO and co-founder at Jobbox and uh, gave him a, a short demo of uh, what Propel looks like. And, and his first reaction was, hey, this is our roadmap for 2019. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly what we want to build for 2019. How can we work together? And, um, and it wasn't about acquisition at that time. It was more about like, how can we mutually benefit from each other's uh, product in some way, get more understanding of how things are, and, and in some way, like share each other's secrets in what may. So, uh, and that's how, and he, and, the, the thing I wanted most from him at that time was like, tell me how you build the community. Tell me what your product looks like and all that stuff. And he was, he was very, very frank and very, very open. And he uh, himself had been through the stages where he, they had started early and they were they needed other people to help them out. So they were like, what do you need from me? And um, we were, I was like, I would love to hear more about, talk to more people and get understanding of things. And he was like, here's Jawbox. It's open to you, you can come in and walk by anytime, you can talk to anybody, you can sit in our meetings, you can understand how things are. And at that time, it, it wasn't very clear to me that this was more going towards the acquisition, it was more, it felt like it was going more towards the, the side where we would, I would get more understanding of them and then in some way help them get some of these features into their product too. Right, nice. And Speaking of the earlier stages through which Jobbox, you said, you know, went through themselves, I'm curious, how did you manage to go through those early stages with no funding? Yeah, so I think uh, what we knew that if we had to build something, we, we didn't need, when we need money to run our servers and all that stuff, but we were, uh, most of the team was engineers and all that stuff. And then so, and I was doing most of the operation side of it and talking to uh, the businesses and all that. So. Uh, it wasn't, there wasn't an urgent need for us to raise money. And, and what we had, we were very clear about is we're going to not build too much. We're going to build the basic stuff and, and then get 
see and hear more from the customers and tell them, ask them what would they would need from us to make this more interesting, get more information from them. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that bad in terms of getting to where we were, but we were soon getting to a stage where we we're saying, hey, now we have this information and we can do a lot more with it. So should we raise more money and think about how we can get into more of the, that stuff and then get in, build a bigger product and build how see how we can actually do user acquisitions and customer acquisitions which can go and connect to these businesses mm -hmm. nice yeah that's that's a great stage and that's i assume that's where jobbox came in and acquired you right yes and uh so at that time and if 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 i have to talk about how the acquisition went and all that stuff and i think the uh so as I spend more time in their offices and I heard talk to more people, it kind of like I kind of understood what what they were talking about. They were more of talking about, hey, what if Propel and Dropbox was together? Hey, what if we all these features which you have on Propel was part of Dropbox itself? And what if you had a decent uh, amount of role in the entire thing? So um, until we actually got to the stage where Shai had said, hey, this is what I, I think we should do, kind of a thing, I was more of uh, conceptualizing what what would happen if Propel and Dropbox were together, and what would be the next step, and what would be the things, and without actually thinking about the acquisition itself. Mm -hmm. And how did the acquisition itself happen? So, did you one day did the founder, did the co-founder of Jobbox just came up to you and you know we see this as great merger, let's let's acquire you, or how how did you get this yes. you know this specific yes. propo proposal? Yes. Yes, I think at that time, the, the main question for Shai was, uh, how do we get integrate this product together? And and he had to be upfront and say, this is what we think of what should happen. So uh, Shai and I went on a, uh, had lunch together and went for a walk and then came back in the meeting and said, hey, this is what we think. You and your team are a great fit for this uh, company itself. And Obviously, one of the things you have to give up is the, the users you have right now, because we want to concentrate on, on our segment of users itself, because we haven't completely done what we want to do in there. But um, speaking to you more and understanding of what the vision is, it feels like you and I both kind of agree on where, where they should go, how they should be built in some way. So the question is, what if you handle a decent part of it in terms of like payments, escalating, scheduling, and onboarding, and all that stuff? And give you that freedom to continue innovating in that way on that side itself, and 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 we ha uh, and be part of Dropbox itself. And and at that time, it was all about uh, my my mind was completely racing, and it was trying to see what would we do with this company, which has has decent amount of resources, and we can actually use those resources to build some something really interesting for. Uh, their set of users itself and it and at that time the question for me was should i wait for a year or two or to get to where Dropbox is and then start thinking of what the next stage is or actually actually accelerate the the vision in some way for propel or in, in, in a combined way and start from thinking about what comes next and that then that feeling that potential just felt so much interesting to me and Having spent a decent amount of time to think about it, it just felt right. So uh, we kind of, I, I took some time, but after that I said, this makes complete sense. I'm super excited. I'm really, really uh, grateful that you guys have been so open to me in terms of understanding what 
what Dropbox does and how it does it. And I'm super excited what comes next. That's really nice. And the next came acquisition. And you're still working with Jobbox, right? You were Yes. Yes. What's your what's your order? I'm just curious. Yes. So uh right now, so they have a product, right? Which actually handles the work for mm -hmm. for, for these uh, service professionals itself. And then there are different aspects of it and how they get jobs and they can complete it, they go to the customer and get stuff done. And we handle most of the things related to like scheduling, providing an invoice, an estimate actually going and accepting payments with uh, on-site on itself, and also in terms of uh, onboarding and making sure that we have the right kind of people and doing also doing all the user vetting and making sure that these people are, are the people they're saying and we provide, they provide the right documentation for us. And so we kind of build that aspect of the whole thing. And um, and it's been great. It's been amazing because uh, we we feel like things would have been a lot slower if we, had, we were doing the same thing at Propel right now. Right, right, great. I mean, congrats on the acquisition. Sounds like it went really smoothly and really organically. So really nice work there. Uh, and here I want to move on to what happens after the acquisition in terms of you personally. So on our pre-interview call, you mentioned that you were doing some engine testing as well, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, uh, so uh, I've been part of the Stanford Angels and Entrepreneurs Group itself, and through that been doing some engine investing and I've been part of uh, uh, Alchemist Accelerated Ventures and being the mentor and uh, investor in that case also. And um, I think uh, the emphasis is again is more on advising and connecting to people who have who can benefit from my experience in in, in a lot of ways. And so, and, and in the, the past some time also I've seen that there are a lot of people who are, who want advice and who want to get uh, to a stage where they can leverage most of the existing tools itself. And for me, it's more of, how I can be of help to them, and how I can actually advise them, and and, and if required, be investing in some way, and um, especially when they're in like the early stages of the company. Mm -hmm. Got it. So let's talk about coronavirus. So right now, when this pandemic is you know, up there, no one really knows what's going to be at the end of this pandemic, if it's even going to end. Uh, what do you still invest, or do you just wait for the dust to sell? So what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, so so one of the things which is common between companies like uh, Slack and WhatsApp and Pinterest and Instagram and Uber and Venmo is they either raised or launched in the last recession. So it would it 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 would be foolish of me to say that the company is not going to do well after they are they done with the pandemic. So what we are obviously they were doing more diligence and trying to understand what kind of companies are out there and and talking to them and helping them and seeing. Uh, playing the waiting game and saying, hey, I really like what you have, but I would want to see you here and we can help you get there. We can give you these kind of resources in some way to get to get there. And if we feel like you are doing those steps and all that stuff, we will be more happy to get talk more and get into investment. Mm -hmm. Right, nice. Uh, so on our pre-interview call again, you mentioned that you know you're looking for this like really sound business model. Uh, to, to invest money in that company. What does it mean to have a sound business model? Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things which has which has become pretty clear right now is everybody's thinking about conserving cash right now. So they, they all want to extend their runway. They all want to think about how they they can survive in some way, which is, which is okay, but I think that they should be thinking more about how they can thrive in this, in this uh, pandemic itself. But the one thing which comes like front and center now when you're trying to raise money is, how are you going to uh, 
uh, generate revenue? How are you going to make sure that you are are not playing this game where you're just burning a lot of cash and then at some point of time you'll start thinking about revenue? So that has to be the first thing you think about. So in terms of like deciding on what is your business model and why you why your users will use it and whether they are ready to pay for it is become more and more critical now. Right. So another thing that I personally heard a lot in terms of, you know, investors being willing to invest versus not is if the company is doing something essential or nice to have, as they say, how do you, so what's your personal view on this? Can you give me a couple of examples of something yes. essential and something yeah. nice to have? So that yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I was just thinking about this, like, what if I had to start Propel right now? Right? And what, what would it be the biggest difference for you? And I think, and the reason why Propel would be, it might be in trouble right now because uh, the com the businesses which we are catering to are are struggling, right? Because all right, people, right. yeah, people don't want to go to a salon right now. People don't want to go uh, and meet people. So, but the what I could also think about at that time is, people at some point want to go to a get a haircut. They want to get their nails done, but they want to spend as little time possible in the office. They want to. Spend go in there, not wait at all and get it done. So what makes that critical? The, the way that we can that make that happen is if we have a, a sound appointment system, wherein we are very clear to the customer from the beginning itself, your appointment is at 9 a.m. You will be out of there by 9.30. We will not make you wait at all. It won't be more than two minutes of wait and you will be out as soon as it's done. And I think. So this is just an example of how we can actually cater the thing around it itself. One of the things Yelp has done right now is uh, in, in all their businesses, they have a battery saying we are COVID prepared, we are doing these things, we are sanitizing. Um, similar to Airbnb also is doing the same thing when they're saying their hosts are clearly saying that we have cleaned up things and uh, making it safe for you to come in and that stuff. So um, the the former example I mentioned in for Propel is a part wherein you're being proactive about the changes which are happening in the society itself and saying, I'm going to leverage that and build things which will take advantage of that and, and provide services which are becoming more and more critical now. The latter is more of like uh, making sure that my existing, the users who are, or the businesses which are trying to uh, provide a service on my platform, they are giving enough information to the customers to make them safe enough to come inside, come inside, come to their businesses. Right, right. That's, that's a pretty good description of, you know, how business can transit themselves and adjust themselves to the coronavirus. So thanks for that. And going back a little bit towards your personal preferences, what do you think are the three must have points on the pitch deck, especially now during coronavirus? Do you think one of those must have points must have something to do with coronavirus or not really? Um, it, it would be nice to talk about it, but I think for me, the three most important things, and this hasn't changed too much uh, since the pandemic, is the first one, the most important thing for me is the team. Seeing how each team member contributes to the success of the product or will contribute to the success of the product. So if we see a team which can actually uh, has all the pieces required to build this thing, we feel like, yeah, they, they are good. They, are in the, they have the recipe for success and we will continue. Uh, they will continue in their right path itself. And they have the best chances. I mean. Uh, we we can never say anything for sure, but at least we know that there have enough pieces in there to, to make it successful. And for the second and third part, I, I usually think of it as uh, like starting a company is like writing a book, wherein you first think about the first chapter and you think about the last chapter. So 
And when the last chapter essentially like where what is the grand vision of this company? Where would this company want to be if we if we were successful? What would would the success look like for it? And then you once you have that, you start thinking about the first chapter itself, and then saying what would be my first concrete step to to make to make something up, release something out there, and 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 see how I can actually get enough traction, enough understanding, so that I can actually start my journey. And the and the chapters in between are just your journey to the end. Right, right, right. That's. That's good. And, you know, having a sound team is probably the most important part of the company. So you're completely right here. And we're moving on to the last couple of questions. One of them is what kind of companies do you like to mentor? So you mentioned that you're doing, you know, some investments, but mainly you're doing mentoring for the companies. What kind of companies do you generally mentor? So is there some specific field that you focus on or? Yeah, I think I kind of have divided my advising and mentoring in, in, two types of companies and one companies are the traditional tech companies itself and some companies who can actually leverage from my experience in payment scheduling user acquisition strategies and onboarding so that still remains and uh, companies which are earlier in the stage which want to understand how would i go about doing this how would we provide in in terms of this and what are the existing tools available i can use without actually kind of reinventing the wheel in some way I mean, the second kind of uh, businesses are actually the brick and mortar small business itself and uh, spending a lot of time with people and seeing how they're getting affected by the pandemic and how they can actually um, uh, take, make changes to their business so that they can do well. So the example I can take is uh, recently I worked with a, a physiotherapy center in the greater LA area, which, which were completely dependent on their customers coming to their studio and getting physiotherapy stuff done. And their average age of customers was like 55. And there is no way in any of their, they would want to come back and go come back to the studio as they were doing before. So what we did was we helped bring their entire uh, um, classes on, on online using an existing money management system itself. So now they are running all their classes online. It does, it, they actually have one-on-one -on -one consultations with their patients and you get all that stuff done. So um, thinking about more and how we using, leveraging some of these tools, which we in the Silicon Valley take for granted and providing them to these smaller businesses so that they can actually uh, continue to not just survive, but to actually thrive in this, in this state. Nice. Yeah. That's a really nice implication of, you know, something that Silicon Valley comes up with. Uh, yes. So last question for today's episode is going to be call to action. So what's the one thing that you want the listener to do as soon as the episode is over? Yeah, I, I would say uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn and I am, I'm very, very active on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm very prompt on replying to people. So uh, if you have, if you want to have a chat, if you want to understand, uh, want me to understand what you're doing and how I can be of any help to them, reach out to me. Um, I'm, I will definitely make sure that we spend some time together. I give you th my thoughts and give you feedback on how things could be and, and even potentially think of how we can be involved in terms of investment. Perfect. I'll definitely make sure to leave a link in the description of this episode. So anyone who wants to talk to Mayur, highly recommend it, by the way, <laughs> check out the description of this episode. There's going to be a link to Mayur's LinkedIn and my personal call to action will be go to the description of this episode. I'll leave another link to the 
Patreon, so our custom channel where we have uh, nice articles with summaries of multiple speakers actually talking about one subject. So like there is recently an article that went out about how five different investors source their deals. So like if you want to figure out how to get in touch with those investors organically, that's the article for you. So call to action, go to the description of this episode and take a look at the links. We'll wrap it up here and have a great day, everyone.